Have you heard about the new MagnaGrip Pro Nozzle? The MagnaGrip Pro Nozzle is the easiest, most advanced nozzle ever, protecting you from the dangers of diesel exhaust fumes. With its patented flex magnet technology, the Pro Nozzle easily attaches with one hand from a standing position, can snap on from any angle, and fits flush to the apparatus, saving a ton of space. And MagnaGrip is the only exhaust removal system that offers a true 100% seal. For free grant assistance and to learn more, go to magnagrip.com. All right, all right, all right. Welcome to another Fire Engineering Podcast, Networking for Success. I am your host, Dave McGlynn. Uh, for first-time listeners, like I always say every month when I do this show, thank you so much for listening in. Typically, I know that the, the only reason why I'll gain any new listeners is because it's somebody that is, uh, saw who I was interviewing, and they were interested in, in hearing what that person had to say. So if you're, if you're calling in or you're listening in or whatever it is, uh, I, I appreciate it if you're a first-time uh, listener. If you're going to be listening to this on Apple uh, Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or Spotify, whatever it is later on, uh, you know, hopefully uh, you're doing you're driving somewhere or you're working out or whatever, but, uh, you know, hopefully we can entertain you and keep you going. So appreciate you listening in. For those of you that don't know the format or the background of the show, the show is called Networking for Success. Uh, the reason why we, we decided to call it that was because uh, it's quite literally that. I pitched this idea to the late, great Chief Bobby Halton uh, back in 2017, and uh, they gave me the show in, in 2018, and Bobby wanted me to call it Networking with Dave McGlynn, which I, I didn't want to do because nobody knows who the hell Dave McGlynn is. So I called it Networking for Success um, because I have been able to be fortunate enough to make a career off of uh, being able to network with other people. So with this show, I like to interview people from all over the fire service, from emergency services, from our great military, and have them be able to tell a story, tell their background, everything like that. The beauty of the show is that you as the listener, you get to get that firsthand experience, that, that table talk kind of conversation where you're going to hear intimate level stuff that you won't typically always get to hear from some of these great leaders throughout our fire service and emergency services and in military. So, without further ado, tonight I'm joined by uh, a guy that I've been following uh, for most of my career, uh, and a, a person who I've been fortunate enough to, to be become friends with and uh, and 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 be able to uh, to have mentor me uh, th- throughout the past few years on things that I needed help with or guidance with. So tonight I'm joined by PJ Norwood. Now, PJ is the director of training at the Connecticut Fire Academy. He's a retired deputy chief from East Haven, Connecticut, Fire Department. He served four years with the Connecticut Army National Guard. PJ is a fire department instructor conference instructor, the FDIC. Uh, he's a fire engineer. He's on the fire engineering advisory panel. He writes for fire engineering, and he's also published a book for fire engineering, books and videos, and he's an author for them. He's done a lot of work with Frank Ritchie and the rest of the Connecticut Mafia, as they're, like to, as they're, they're typically called. PJ also serves on the ULFSRI technical panel for the study of residential attic fire mitigation tactics and exterior fire spread hazards on firefighter safety. PJ is a public safety education group advisory member for ULFSRI. He is a certified instructor two, officer three, fire marshal, and paramedic level. Paramedic, PJ. Oh, man, I'm only an EMT because my job required me to be. But anyway, without further ado, PJ, thank you for joining me tonight, brother. 
Thank you, Dave. And, uh, man, I'm a little concerned now. You said you're hoping to get some more listeners because you're having uh, the guests that you have on. So I don't expect you to gain any more listeners after this call, man. I'm a little concerned about your, yeah. your show growth now. Right. I'm going to lose followers now. <laughs> no, yeah, they're going to be brother. losing. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. So, um, <laughs> so that, that, thanks for that, that, that great, the great intro. Uh, it's, uh, there's always the worst part, you know, like teaching the class, you know, telling about yourself or listening to somebody else talk about you. It always makes me a little yeah, bit yeah, uncomfortable. Yeah, I love slide, I, I call you, it. Yeah, and I know it makes you uncomfortable too, but, but thanks for that. I appreciate it. I'm just, right. you, know, you said that, you know, you, you look to me and, and you don't understand, man, I took your class at FDIC, I think it was three years ago. And I've been following you since as, as well. I mean, you, you do some great stuff, so it's an honor to be on your show tonight. Uh, thank you. That's that's a huge compliment. Thank you. Uh, so uh, now you stumped me. <laughs> I hate that you did that. That was the whole idea. If I could stump you, we'd finish, <laughs> right. finish right away. And nobody would, nobody yeah, would no. listen. Yeah, no. You know how sensitive I am. Yeah, you know how sensitive <laughs> I am, too. So that's, that's what you just you threw that one at me. Now I'm like, oh, man, damn it. <laughs> Uh, all right. So, uh, so anybody, uh, who has been living under a rock, uh, if they don't know, so just, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you're from and and what inspired you to join the fire service. Well, all right. Well, that's, uh, you know, I know you you mentioned that to me, uh, pregame here about being, you know, what inspired me. It's weird, man. I don't have the same story, uh, that many have. I'm a first generation firefighter. So I didn't have anybody in my family that I looked up to or anybody that said, I want to be that guy, you know, elementary school, the fire trucks would come and it was just another day in school. You know what I mean? It was nothing that I said, that's what I want to want to do. Uh, but I was 14. So I was pretty young and uh, give you a little background, not fire department related. I'm one of five. I have uh, four all older sisters and my oldest sister had a daughter when I was five. So I lived in a raised ranch with uh Six women, uh, four sisters, one niece, and my mom. So it tells you how much my dad was out working. Our house was painted pink. So my, it was a pretty female-dominated house. Uh, summer vacation, uh, not a lot of kids in my neighborhood. I was on my bike, rode my bike down to the firehouse, stopped in to see the red, red shiny fire trucks. Guys treated me nice. Second, the next day, hey, that, that was pretty cool. I'm going to do it again. Well, here comes day three, day three, uh, went back, same shift. Back then they did three on, three off. And uh, the comment, something to the effect was, hey, kid, if you're going to be hanging around here all summer, sweep the floor, wash the truck. If you do a good job, you can uh, have you come inside and you can have a soda. Well, that's all I needed. I followed directions well. And uh, I think some of those guys regret that because uh, I moved on to career department, uh, you know, to the volunteer ranks, then moved in the career department in 95. Um, moved up through the ranks pretty quickly, became battalion chief, which is the shift commander, and then uh, moved up to the deputy chief of training and retired. January was two years ago. Retired after 25 years in the career department. Not something that I was really uh, ready to do, really wanted to do. Um, however, things were changing. Uh, Benefit-wise, were changing. I had some old-school benefits, and uh, it was just the right thing to do for, for me and my family at the time. So, it was a great opportunity. It was a great career. Uh, still live in the district, so I still, you know, do miss it a little bit. Uh, still talk to the guys on a regular basis, but in the new role at the state, it uh, really filled that gap. So it's uh, it was a great, great career, and I'm uh, 
pretty happy to, to share the story. Uh, small town community, you know, the, the guys that took me under their wing, I was able to take some of their kids under their wings and now seeing their kids start to, you know, get a come of age. It's, uh, it's been a great, a great run and a lot of fun. Yeah, that's nice too. That, that feeling of, um, <clears throat> You know, being able to, I guess the, the cliche way of passing on or whatever, you know, is, like you said, you know, having those guys that were came before you and then you being able to bring their kids into it and, and pass on what you learned from their dads and stuff. That's that's actually really cool. Um, what's interesting is uh, I love that you were first generation because uh, I, I was too. Um, so, you know, a lot of people, and, and, you know, that's why you said it's not the tip, yours isn't the typical, so you know, you know, just in our, our thing, the fire service, a lot of uh, our colleagues were our legacy firefighters, you know, their dad or their uncle or their grandfather, whatever, um, which is beautiful, but, um, but yeah, I just, uh, I enjoyed the story um, about how, you know, you kind of mosey down there, and they put you to work, and they said, here's a Coke, you know, and <laughs> that's pretty cool. Uh I also love and, that and, you, know, you grew up in a pink house with four sisters. <laughs> that's that's awesome. Yeah, you know, well, four sisters, a niece that was only five years younger than me, my mom, you know, right. my dad was a school teacher, had a painting business and worked odd jobs on the side, so he wasn't around all that much because he was working to support us all. So, uh, yeah. you know, and back in, you know, and that was in 87, and the fire service of 87 was very, very different than it is today. Um, and I'm going to leave the details off the table, but when you go from an all-female house into an all-male environment, uh, things were quite different in in those walls and those doors. You weren't prepared um, for it yet. <laughs> that nope, but I was very happy to be there, and it hooked me right in. That, so uh, that's cool. We'll, we'll leave it. We'll leave it like that. Yeah, yeah, I got it. <laughs> Uh, so tonight's episode, we're going to be covering training, uh, the roles and responsibilities of the instructor, and the importance of passing on information, which is something you just touched on before, one of the things that you enjoyed the most, you know, uh, being able to bring up those other kids. So in your experience, why is training so important? Why is training? Well, <laughs> that's a loaded question, right? So I like to say it's because every problem on the fire ground is a training problem. Right, because we've had so many bosses in the past that that's the way they operated. You know, if something went wrong or if something was new or if we needed more information, it was always tra training's problem or training's issue. Uh, but when you start looking deeper at it, it's the, the foundation. You know, we all remember our first drill instructor, our first training officer, and the impression that he or she uh, made on us, good or bad, right, because everybody is not so good out there. We do have a few bad apples out there, and we, we learn from them, but it gives us the foundation. And often I feel that first interaction with training is what sets you on the right path for your career, uh, whether it's a career as a volunteer or a career as a career firefighter. That first interaction, that first group of instructors or training officers, whatever system that you kind of come through, you want to be like them. You know, I want to be like my first drill instructor. Uh, you know, his name was Paul Cahill. He was assistant chief of the department. And I wanted to be him because I wanted to impress him. I wanted to show him that I can do the job. I can learn from him. And I wanted to be like him. I want to emulate myself from him. So that's not necessarily why training is, is so important, but it's, I think it's how we view training right from the beginning. And if we want to get to why training is so important, look, what, what's it come down to? You know, my family is depending on it. 
You know, my family is depending on the quality training that the members of East Haven Fire Department have when I was there and then are still getting um, since I have left because if tonight is, is the night that I call 911 because my house is on fire, I have a medical emergency, they're coming from my family, and I want to make sure that they are ready and prepared to take care of and save my family if needed. Yeah, absolutely. Like I say, you know, Tommy Brennan's got that quote, uh, let no man's ghost return to say his training let him down. Uh, you know, and you can never train enough for a job that can kill you. And and, and I say that, you know, it's, it's a loaded question, but it, it's relevant because people perceive training, in my, at least in my experience, and, and, and I'm not trying to say like I know it all, but I've been in all over having the fortune of working for the military, um, that you meet, you know, the expression, same circus, different clowns, you know, it's real. So you meet all kinds of walks of life and different attitudes and different cultures from different areas of the country, right? And uh, I've noticed that in my experience, which is, I guess, what's driven me to be so passionate about this training stuff, is people perceive training as a chore uh, or, you know, it, 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 gets, uh, it gets used as a, a quantified thing with, uh, with check-in-the-box mentality. And, and whether I say all the time, whether you run 300 calls or, or, or 3,000 calls, um, you know, you can never train enough for this job because it can happen. And if you're not prepared, that's, that's an issue. Uh, I like what you said about the first interaction sets you, sets you for, you know, for this, the path, right? So not to, to hijack it, it, just, it, was, it was beautiful because I never shared this. So uh, my first experience, I was the youngest of, of four. I had two older brothers and an older sister. I didn't have my niche. And, um, you know, my brothers were stellar athletes uh, in football, and I was constantly in their shadow. And uh, I went to the fire academy. I joined the fire department and went to the fire academy. And um, I had uh, two instructors, Rich Forsh and, uh, and Craig Spurko, um, and, uh, and actually Bobby Minkler, um, and they were the instructors, and they kind of set that tone um, for what was the expectation, uh, why this job was so important, why training for this job and learning the, the, you know, the basics uh, were, and the fundamentals were so important that I fell in love with it. I, like I found my niche. I found my thing. You know, I didn't have to feel like I was in their shadow. And um, – and when you said that, uh, when you were describing it, it just, it, it made me think like, yeah, you know, like, like I, that's when I, you know, when I fell in love with it was, uh, was when I was in the academy uh, going through fire school and, and learning from those instructors. And like you said, you know, uh, you, you deal with it just the same as leadership. You deal with some good instructors and some bad instructors and some good training officers and some, and some poor training officers. And, and it's up to us to, to make or break that, which, which leads me into the next thing, you know, what are some of the roles and responsibilities of the instructor? Roles and responsibilities, you know, and I think that's pretty clear to everybody, right? You know, what we do, training officers, what our roles, what our responsibilities are is to, you know, deliver that, that, that training and education. Um, I like to look a little bit further than that, right, and not to have this say, uh, you know, just a, a boring conversation. Um, I like to think that the training officers and the training staff are the mentors, Right? Who are you looking up to in your department or your agency? And if you're in training, who are the members looking up to? Are they looking up to you? Yeah, they're looking up to you. But not just the members of your department, members of the community, because that training role, as we know in so many agencies, you're not just doing the administrative side of the training. You're actually doing the, 
the, the, the, the hands-on training in the street, in the classroom. You're doing public education. You're doing fire prevention. There's so many roles that we end up in the training because, as we all know, everything gets dumped in training. When something needs to get done, that's where it gets dumped on. So you have so many different roles and you touch so many different people. You touch so many customers, internal and external customers of the department, that you're really a mentor and you're, you're the, almost the face of the department. You know, unless you're a larger department that you have that PIO that's doing all that public information, often the training division is the face of the department, both internally and externally. You know, you're the, you're the go-between. In my department, we're a small job. You know, so I worked in the chief's office, so my job was to communicate the chief's mission, uh, communicate the chief's policies, the procedures, and there was a, you know, a couple chief changing, uh, changes of the chiefs during that period of time, and that doesn't always go so well. You know, that always gets a little bit controversial because nobody's ever happy. You know, no matter what any one of us does, there's always going to be somebody that's pissed off or doesn't like the decisions. And when you're in training, you're taking that middle role and uh, you have to back the chief, you have to support the chief, and you have to deliver his mission, but yet he or she is not the one that's out in the street or in the classroom delivering that information all the time. So you're in the middle, you're taking that, taking that beating, and uh, you don't want to turn your back on the chief and do right by him, but you're also trying to do right by the men. So it uh, could be a very challenging and difficult position. So you all, always kind of, in my mind, end up being that mentor that everybody's looking up to, the chief is looking up to or towards, to do the right thing and move his or her mission forward. And the men are looking for you to train and educate them, but also to fight for them uh, when needed and make sure that the right thing is being done for the department. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, I love it. You said that, you know, the TO is a mentor. <clears throat> I, I, I oftentimes say that if you look up the definition of mentor, so you know, when we're teaching a, uh, or we're doing a drill or, or a level of instruction, you know, that's the coaching piece of it. Uh, but the long and the short of it is, is that the, the TO, the, the, the instructor, whatever, you know, um, that person is a mentor. A mentor is there for the long haul. They're there to build the future, and that's literally our job is to develop, the, uh, develop others. We are in the business of developing others, and we have to be that conduit of information to share the chief's vision and bring the department to that vision and even exceed uh, that vision and expectation of what the, the, the floor or the men um, can do. Um, you know, and like I, I like that you said about the face of the organization, you know, one of the things that I've been trying to do is it's not to take away from leadership because it is equally, if not, you know, greater importance, but I feel like we're always quoting leaders, but we don't quote any of our, our training officers or our instructors or our drill instructors, anybody that we, you know, th- those people, they set us up for the successes that we get in our fire service careers, um, and uh, and we 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 don't realize it, um, you know that the good ones they really uh, they they really put us on that path, and and quite literally going back to what you said, they, they, because they're a mentor and they're they're a mentor throughout your career, you know. So uh, yeah, absolutely, it's a spot on uh, uh, answer there. I agree. That is that is one hundred percent the role and responsibility is you are a mentor. You're the face of the organization and coupled with, like I said, you're in the business of developing others, and you need to take that serious, you know. Um, and and so, I, like the, I like the way you said that. I'm going to jump in on that again. I know that uh, the, yeah. the format you said is okay, so I'm going to jump into that. You know, and what I think something that, that some new training officers or new officers miss, and I know I missed it in the beginning too, so it's not saying that I was any, any different, is that we don't know it all. 
right? We're not necessarily always the best firefighter, the best officer, the most knowledgeable, right? You have to remember that building those other people up or bringing them up is also helping you. So mentoring them, but also tapping into those that have that experience, right? We, we just can't be good at every part of our job because it's so, our job touches so many things. We just can't be good at all. We just can't know it all. So when we say building people up or bringing others up, it's also using them, right? Finding that talent that's in your department and helping grow that talent within your department locally or even nationally if you have that opportunity, but making sure that you know when you're in, the, in training, you're not the end-all, be-all, right? You need to make sure that you know what, who and what your talent is and use them appropriately, right, and help, like you said, build them up. And, and Well, you're building them up, which means you're building the department up at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the things that I always say is, uh, you know, as a training officer, you 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 pick your dodgeball team, and you and and what I mean by that is is that you know you 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 pick those SMEs. You know, the, I have a guy there, or a couple couple guys that are that are strong in tech rescue, and a couple guys that are strong in motor vehicle education, a couple guys that are strong in search and rescue, VES truck truck company ops, engine company ops, pump ops, driver, whatever. The, like you said. You know, we're the world's problem solver, so the expectation is is that we literally can handle one million and seven things. And and the TO, the best the best thing that a, a training officer can do uh, is if they're smart is to to accept they don't know everything, but they you know it's like I I, I try to say like um, the the New York Symphony right the New York City Symphony the the conductor. He doesn't know how to play the French horn. He might have majored in percussion, but he knows when to call on the French horns so it sounds amazing. So that's our job mm, that's as a awesome. training officer is, yeah, you know, that's, that's our job as a training officer. Is like, I, you know, like I joked before when I said, oh, man, PJ, you're a paramedic. Like, I'm only an EMT because my job required me to be. Like, I'm, I'm half joking when I say that, you know, like, but the reality is, is I – I know to a limit of what I need to do as an EMT. Uh, however, as now in my position where I have to train others, I tap into those that I have in in my workforce that are that, you know they're passionate about it, they're squared away with it, they have experiences outside of the agency. That those guys, they're you know they're on the front line as far as handling the the the, the training for for my people and keeping their continuing education and all that and their proficiency level up because. I'd make them regress if I taught them EMT stuff, you know, they would go backwards. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, you know, you're absolutely right. You know, you have to accept you don't know everything, but you have to be willing to, to tap into the, those who do. You know, just because, uh, and uh, not to steal um, the, the what, why thing, I know that Simon Sinek or Sadiq or whatever, but it's always inspired me since he came out with that is, you know, uh, you're the training officer. That's the what. They know that already. You know, they know it because it says it on your title, on your badge, whatever, right? Uh, be the why. You know, why should they follow you? And the reason why is because you have that ability to, to empower them to execute the knowledge and skills that they have. You don't act like you know everything. You're only going to bring your de- – you're going you're gonna to set your, your department up for, for failure if you think that you should teach every class uh, because you don't know everything, you know? Yep. And the show's going to take go downhill right here, right? Because I let it slide the first time. You threw it out there the second time. So i got to defend our paramedics, man. I, I really do. I know paramedics <laughs> are the four-letter word of the firehouse, fire service, right? right? <laughs> but listen, man, it, it's, for, if you're a paramedic, be proud of it. I worked 25 years as a paramedic. I'm proud of it. 
listen, if I had to give, if I, somebody gave me a choice, are you going to be a firefighter, are you going to be a paramedic? I'm choosing fire all day long. But I was lucky enough to work in a department that I can do both. And I can try to be good at both. So I have to just stand up for a minute and defend our paramedics. And, and you know what? Our EMS and our paramedics do more pre-planning and are more prepared for the fire ground because they get into more buildings than anybody else on the edge of the truck company. Absolutely. So I like to say that they know I their district a little bit better than, the, than everybody else. So I got to just go to yep. bat for them a little bit there. I let it slide the first time, but I'm a proud yeah. paramedic. I stopped working. <laughs> <laughs> I did stop working uh, when COVID started. I just, uh, some uh, personal issues with family. I couldn't, uh, and all the unknowns, I had to stop working. Um, but I finished out 25 years. I worked in pri- uh, the fire service, but also private EMS. Um, in the city of New Haven, I worked uh, on the transport ambulance there, and then the last five or six years as a fly car medic. And uh, I thoroughly met, cool. I, I don't admit it often, but I did enjoy. It. I, I enjoyed being a paramedic. But hey, I would t- I would throw it away in a second if I could if I had to choose. Yeah, no, I get it. No, but I, that's I, I listen. That's cool that you that you did uh, take up for him because all jokes aside, you know you're right. Like, you know that that is first of all. So EMTs and especially paramedics, uh, you know, that is a uh, we joke and we say firemen, you know, outside of the volunteer side of it. I'm saying, you know, on the job, uh, if people make it a career, it's not a high paying gig. You know, uh, let me tell you something. Being a paramedic is not the, you're not making millions and you need to know a lot. So my hat's off to them as well, especially the fire medics, because you know, they're doing both. They got to keep up with the fire side of the training. And we know that that's the, the topic of the discussion tonight. You know, and then you want to add on all the the the, the con eds the, that you got to do as a medic, and the proficiency that you got to do as a medic. You know, I mean, if you're not somebody who can stick a needle in somebody's arm and, and get it in the vein on the first shot while an ambulance is responding, you know, that's 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 a that's a tough thing to have to do. And 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 paramedics have to do it. You know, if they're in a busy city, they they got to do it a few times a day. So yeah, absolutely. My hat's off to them too. I, I I'm with you there. It's that's nice that you that you took up for them. Good for you. <laughs> we got it. We got. Listen, there's not a lot of us. We got to stick together, right? So and I know you don't mean it right. that way, but I was gonna I was no, gonna laugh because yeah, yeah, I yeah, am I one of those I'm one of those few that will actually admit to being a paramedic and that I enjoyed that part of my career. Yeah, no, that's cool, man. Um, so you did all the. The, what you did with uh, with with East Haven and and, uh, and you you had a good training program going there and you finished out your career there and and now you took on this new opportunity or this new role right with the director of training with the with the state fire academy so talk to us a little bit about that what first of all what inspired you to take on that new role so honestly again um, I wasn't really inspired it really wasn't even on my radar. Right, so um, I retired because I was in a position where I needed to, and I really didn't know what I was going to do. I, I knew that I was employable, and uh, I would find a job. So I went to work doing some consulting work for a, uh, a publisher for a short period of time and helping fire EMS customers with uh, online training education. You know, and that was cool. It was six months of working from home, so it was, was kind of nice. And um, my uh, old boss, actually, the, uh, the chief that I was working for, I saw the job come through. I'm like, yeah, that's just, yeah, that, that sounds pretty cool. But, you know, the Fire Academy has been known um, to be a good old boy club. Um, I was a per diem instructor there, but really wasn't in that club or in that group. So it wasn't even on my radar. And my boss called me and goes, I mean, did you see this? I said, yeah, I saw it. I goes, that, that's like right up your alley. You, you have to apply. 
yeah, I don't, I, I'm not feeling it. Um, looked into it some more, started warming up to it. Got a couple of the phone calls from people that, that I really respect. I'm like, wow, they really think this is a good opportunity for me. Why not? Listen, what's, what's it going to take? I fill out some paperwork. I go for an interview. They tell me, no, nothing's lost, right? And then, uh, sure enough, think, you know, four or five months later, go through the process, and they're calling me up and making me an offer. So it was nothing that was really on my radar, uh, which I'm a little disappointed it wasn't on my radar, to be honest with you, because the, the job is awesome, and I'm having a lot of fun. I have uh, an amazing staff. I have a, a small full-time staff of four full-time uh, staff members, but I have over 200 adjunct instructors, instructors that come from every size and type department in, in the state of Connecticut, from small jobs to the, the, the city jobs to instructors from Massachusetts. I have a good handful or more of instructors from FDNY, current and also retired. So, man, it just, it's like being in the firehouse. I'm surrounded by, by firefighters from all over, you know, New England um, that aren't there for the pay. Uh, because the state of Connecticut is not very generous with uh, payroll to my instructors. So there's not a lot of drama, not a lot of bull crap, and uh, they're just it's a, they're really there for the right reason to, you know, to mentor, train, and educate the next and the current generation of firefighters in Connecticut. So it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, that's, that's nice to hear, too. It's uh, not not nice to hear about the pay thing, but, but the, um, the silver lining. Uh, you know, so, uh, you know, now I would love to advocate for them to, to get more because I feel like any anybody in our business that does any of this type of stuff for the right reason sh- surely deserves more. It's the same as teachers who truly want to, you know, develop the future. They deserve more. Um, but that is the nice thing is you know they're there for the right reason. They're not there because, you know, it's like they're making hand over fist extra coin. It's like they, they just really love doing it. And and that's a nice problem to have, you know. So uh, that's that's cool, man. That's 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 really awesome that you have a good cadre there. So tell the, the listeners, you know. I mean, uh, you know, I don't know if if you guys uh, offer things nationally uh, or not, but you know, anybody who is listening, you know, what what are some of the services or courses that you guys offer at the academy? What's some of the stuff that you guys got going on over there? So at our state academy, we offer everything from entry-level recruit program. We run two uh, 15-week live-in residential recruit programs per year. Uh, We offer everything outside of recruit from uh, entry-level all the way through the officer four-level and everything in between, all the special rescue tech, uh, the rescue programs, the uh, instructor programs, the officer programs. We run single-day classes. We bring uh, instructors from, you know, throughout the country for seminars, the specialty stuff. You know, right now everybody's worried about, you know, because we haven't listened to those that came before us 10 years ago about electric vehicles and lithium-ion batteries. So we're trying to we're trying to catch up now. So that's the, the hot button now. Um, working on actually building an EMS officer program, which is not something that you, you find too often out there. You know, you know, if you look at and get back to EMS again, I apologize for taking that left-hand turn on your show here, but... You know, all of our fire agencies, we have fire officer one, fire officer two, fire officer three, fire officer four. And then you look at a lot of departments do much more EMS than they actually do fire. Um, and right. we have agencies right. that do transport EMS. And we have private EMS agencies, but we don't any, offer any EMS officer programs. So I'm in the process mm-hmm. of building building an EMS officer program. Um, and I know this won't be a surprise to you or anybody that's, that's listening to me speak. 
fire dynamics. Um, you know, we were delivering a traditional fire behavior training and education in our recruit program, and I have worked since day one to uh, to really bring that up and change that ma- uh, mindset at the academy, um, which is not just changing a mindset, right? We we know we you and I have talked fire dynamics. It's a, it's a cultural change, um, and when we're when I have instructors from every job in Connecticut and FDNY and Massachusetts. It's educating and developing the instructors, which has been the key, so then they can go out, educate, train, and mentor the, the next generation firefighters. So we've really been spending a lot of time at developing our instructors in many areas, but really been working hard on that, that fire dynamic piece. And I really feel like we're, we're, we're winning now, right? Our fire dynamics in our, our recruit program now is mirrored off of the UL Fire Dynamics Boot Camp, but it's not just one class up front, and that's it. We have it built into every program. It's a lot of hands-on stuff. We're doing all the candle labs, the pressure labs. I have the alcohol prop. Of course, we're doing dollhouses, you know, water mapping prop, all that great stuff that's been pushed out by UL over the last many years. There's not a lot of agencies that are, are able to or haven't been able to yet adopt it all. But I've been so blessed and have so many great opportunities as a a UL instructor for their fire dynamics boot camp, uh, it's been a lot easier transition for me to get that up and running here in Connecticut. Yeah, that's that's awesome. So one thing I, I want to just go back to the first thing you touched on. So amen, uh, you know, the EMS officer program. So first of all, good for you, bro, with uh, spearheading that, because I honestly feel like you're probably a pioneer on that one because um, uh, you're right. You know, we – we've gotten into EMS, we've integrated EMS and fire, you know, because, you, you know, you've been doing it longer than me, so you know back in the day they didn't used to coexist. And uh, over the years, it's been the, the new norm. I remember when I first got in, and, and I've only been doing this, you know, just like 22 years. So um, I remember when I first did it in Jersey, they had a, a first responder, CFRD, you know. Um, and uh, uh, that was like if you were a first responder – you were a cool fireman, you know, it was like, Hey, that's a fireman who can do CPR and, you know, help some people if they have a medical emergency. It was like, you know, we put it on, we put a sticker on sort of, you know, New Jersey state department of health certified first responder defibrillation sticker and all that crap. And, and, uh, then it was like, you know, uh, I think like Oh five, everybody was like, well, Hey, you know, if you want to get on the job, you know, as a career guy, you need to get EMT. And then like everybody started getting their EMT and, and uh and now it's you know it's like you know a lot of them are being firefighter medics now and and you know soon enough we're going to be friggin' doctors no but <laughs> no but but that is you're absolutely right the reason why we got into that was 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 the job security thing now i'm not trying to you know by any means if any bean counters listen to this and they're going to say hey hey see even they said it like screw you bro get get off my podcast i don't need you to listen to this but 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 um but i will say that you know, we we did. We needed job security because, unfortunately, we were in a society uh, with bureaucrats and 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 politics and and whatnot, where uh, they were like, well, you know, these guys are just sitting around in the recliner all day. So we were like, well, hey, let's go become EMTs and paramedics, and and we'll we'll answer you know EMS calls, and you know, it was for every one fire call, we were answering ten EMS calls. So you're absolutely right. We're not preparing enough uh, for that leadership aspect of the EMS world. Um, 
and, 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 and like I said, man, honestly, like that's really cool that you kind of like notice that gap. And it's like, yeah, we, we, you know, like, Oh yeah, you're right. We all, we've all been aware of it, but nobody wants to talk about it. So good for you and your team for, for stepping up and, and taking on that responsibility of, of uh, creating a program like that. I think that that's really awesome uh, that you guys are doing that. And, um, and then also the fire dynamics piece. I mean, I love that you're sprinkling that throughout all the programs because uh, it, that's not just something that you can just teach to somebody once. Uh, it has to be continued. There's a lot more to it. There's a lot more onion layers to it. There's a lot more to discuss in, in, in the ever-evolving world that we live in. You know, good for you, man. Uh, I think that that's awesome that that's the kind of program you guys are designing there. Um, I think that a lot of people listening – should probably, and not to volunteer you for this, but should probably keep on the lookout of what you got going on there to, to maybe use that as a template or some framework to help them build what they need to do throughout the rest of the country. Because I'm telling you, I think you're on to something there. I think that's some kind of pioneer stuff. So that's really cool. Listen, I'm just, you know, I'm just sharing the, the information that's been shared with me, you know, like passing it on. You mentioned that once already. I'm not doing anything that I haven't thought of any of this on my own, right? It's just being having the opportunity to be surrounded by great people in this business for, for many years and, and learning from them. Um, you know, and, and the fire dynamics is something that, you know, I'm a big believer in, but we were, we were doing it the best that we could for many years, but now we know we can do it differently. And everything that we do on the fire ground impacts the fire ground positively, but it can also impact the fire ground negatively. And that's the same with the fire dynamics. Everything we do on the fire ground have a positive impact on it or it can have a negative impact on it. So if we're just teaching it once up front, and then we're not talking about it during forceful entry, if we're not talking about it during hose line advancement, if we're not talking to it about it when we're, you know, during ventilator search or vertical ventilation or horizontal ventilation, right, and search, just plain out search and rescue through the door, all those things are impacting the environment, good and bad. And if we're not talking about it with every lesson, we're doing an injustice not only to those recruits but to those in our community and those other brothers and sisters that are already working, that you may potentially create an environment that's not right for life of their sustainability for everybody else to make that grab, to make that push, to do the job that we're trying to do. So we have it sprinkled throughout our whole program, and, uh, and I'm pretty excited over it because it's, uh, it hasn't been easy. The world of fire dynamics, when we've, you know, we started talking about this, and, you know, Sean Gray and myself really – put ourselves out there early on and we still take, we've taken a lot of abuse. We still take a lot of abuse. You know, we're the guys that only fought houses and sorry, only fought fires in doll houses. The guys that only wanted to fight fires from the outside, all that stuff. And it's all, some of it's in, all in fun, which we're good with. Some of it was not in fun. Um, but you know, the, the point is it, it's reality, man. It's, it's our far grounds. It has changed. It continues to change. And if we're not, learning from that change and making sure that our tactics and education meet it. We're failing ourselves. We're failing those in our community. Yeah. Yeah. Beautifully put. And then, um, and I'll be short with it. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to say, because uh, I'm actually I'm disappointed myself that I didn't bring up the dollhouse thing. So uh, I don't remember when it was <laughs> that you started that. But, but no, but that's actually, so that's how I started following you. Um, it was when I was still in Jersey and, uh, uh, me and a couple of my buddies, we were going to try to build one like you did to try to, you know, like run our own, uh, you know, uh, 
thing at our firehouse, um, which thank God we didn't because we would have we would have we would probably hurt ourselves. You guys had it down to a science, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but we used to watch those videos, and I think you, I honestly, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, just because you know my, you, I told you everything that I've been involved with with my life lately. So my my mind is scrambled eggs right now, but I think it was even pre YouTube that you guys were doing videos about that stuff. Uh, for some reason, I feel like I, I remember like using like Yahoo search engine to like look up those videos. Like it wasn't even like on YouTube yet. I don't remember. Um, but I remember when you guys started doing that, and that was like the thing that uh, how I started following you. So I want to just say, one, the dollhouse thing was genius, and then two, uh, I love the thing. One of the things there's a ton of things that I admire about you and appreciate about your friendship. But one of the things that I will say is that you're you're a very humble. And uh, you have a level of professional reservation, which I appreciate and admire, because uh, I don't have it as, as much. Being that I'm I'm from New Jersey and I'm, I was raised by my my two older brothers, who you know made me as brash as I am. So I will say I have heard uh, some people, and I've even seen the slogans about the dollhouse thing, kind of poking fun. And, and in the fire service, ball breaking is fun, uh, and I'm all about it because it's fire service. Absolutely, me too. Try to do it. Yeah, so some people try to do it maliciously, uh, you know, uh, and try to troll it, and uh, and and there's no room for that, you know. I I think that you guys were on and still are on to something, and um, you know, uh, I I one thing that I I I've actually even learned from you just uh, in discussions that we've had because you know how I can kind of like become my own worst enemy is, um, the fact that. Uh, People have that kind of, I guess, are, are putting that much effort into paying attention to something that you're doing. It's not because they're discrediting something that you're doing. You, you know, you, you know what you have is is, is gold. Uh, it's because they're they're envious that they didn't come up with it first. And uh, and oh well, you know, I, I'm, I think it's awesome what you guys uh, have done and uh, how you guys have been innovators of of uh, the way we we teach uh, different types of tactics and the flow path and everything. Uh, in such a safe, controlled way, uh, you know, good for you, you know. So that's well, awesome that you guys are doing thank that. Thank you. And, and listen, I own one of the T-shirts. I bought a T-shirt, and I've worn it when I, te- when I teach. It, it doesn't bother me. It's part of the firehouse game. Um, you know, some people obviously say some of the things they do for other reasons, but the, them having fun mm-hmm. and enjoying it, 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 come, it comes with the nature. Um, you know, these the plans were originally shared with us from uh, Chief Ed Harton from South Wibley Island, Washington, um, from Sweden, and they looked very different. It was just a square box. And Sean Gray actually got them from Harton. Sean called me and said, yeah, we'll, we'll burn this stuff. We'll have some fun. How, how bad can we be? We're fine. We'll burn anything. And then it started catching on. And then um, I love telling the story because it was, honestly, I hate to say you're wrong, but it was you, it was YouTube. Um, Matt Palmer, who's now a uh, battalion chief in Stanford, Connecticut. He was a volunteer training chief in Cheshire, Connecticut. He goes, you want to do that class and we'll burn that box? I'm like, yeah, man, let, let's, let's do it. I said, but you got to burn the box. I'm not a carpenter. He said, you build it and I'll burn it. So a couple of days later, he calls, he goes, can I change the plans? I'm like, what, what do you mean? He goes, well, I want to put a, a peach roof on it and put some other doors and slide trays in it for vertical ventilation. And we, I want to show that. Yeah, dude, whatever, whatever you want to do. You, you build it, we'll burn it, we'll have some fun. So I just looked it up on YouTube. It was seven years ago. Uh, this guy, Brian Owens, with a uh, – uh, I don't even know what he was filming it with or recording it with, and he put it up on YouTube, 
And that was the very first video of Matt Palmer and myself. And, uh, man, it, it blew up to the point where Sean Gray, and he'll admit to this, has no clue how to build a website. He had to build a website just so we can keep up with this distribution of the plans. And the plans were given right. to us for free. Matt Palmer re, you know, rebuilt them, modified it. So we made it available for free. We, we just put it out there. And, uh, man, we, it, it got pretty, pretty busy for a while there, giving out plans and answering questions. And a lot of the questions we didn't even know, right? We were just having some fun. We're a fireman that wanted to try something different and use this box to burn and trying to make things a little bit more exciting and enjoyable. And uh, it's grown into something that uh, we never imagined, and we're pretty, we're very proud of it. But that's how it gets the, the name, the Palmer House, right? Because after Matt Palmer, he's the one that uh, redesigned it. That's and, cool. You know, that's UL a really cool and story. Sean and I have, you know, and there's not a lot of people that know this or would even admit to it, especially those that were in attendance. But we were honored as a part of the UL team that we burned dollhouses at the Rock in FDNY. So, yeah. Some FEMI members may say that doesn't happen there, but I'm telling you it happens. We burn dollhouses at the Rock. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Flat that is cool. it's, it's, it's been challenging, but it's been fun, but uh, but very rewarding. Yeah. Now, that's cool. Uh, so uh, not to um, – to, I just – because I wanted to, to touch on this, so not to put you on the spot, but um, – in the new role, um, and, and you know, and, and I'm not going to don't incriminate yourself. You know, I know you're working there or whatever, but just it is different, you know, because you were in the firehouse. So this is where I'm going with this. Is just uh, the 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 reason for this question is you were in the firehouse for all those years, and and now you're running an academy and you're the director there, and so all of those knowledge and skills and all that, uh, you know, that you're able to, to implement those, but but. The academy setting has certainly got to be different than than, uh, than the firehouse setting on how you're training folks. Um, it's a little more intimate when you're a training officer in a firehouse because you know them. So, you know, you kind of know the personalities, you know what you can and can't say, and you know how to adjust your methodology to, to those personalities and whatnot. So um, what new challenges have you faced taking on this new role uh, at the academy as the director, and, and, you know, how did you overcome those challenges? Uh, being patient and realizing that I have an amazing staff, both full-time and, and part-time adjunct instructors, um, that I lead on them, right? They, they make me look good and the Connecticut Fire Academy look good every day. You know, the difference in training, to hit on that, you know, when you're a training officer in your department, you train the way your department responds, the resources, the people, the, the built environment. Well, at the academy, we can take, you know, this current recruit class that started two weeks ago. It's a small class of only 45, but it represents 19 different departments throughout the state. Some rural departments, some city departments, some middle-of-the-road departments. So we're teaching an extremely diverse group of firefighters from diverse departments. You know, some, you know, ride two per piece. So you have a, a driver of the engine and the rider of the engine. You have a ladder truck with two on it. You know, some have three, some have four. So learning to making sure that we're teaching and educating to, I hate to say the middle of the road, but the middle of the road as far as not an ability, but middle of the road where we're making sure that we're providing mentoring, training, and education. So every single recruit, regardless of what department they go back to, is going to be able to function. 
is some of them are going back to departments where they're not going to have a company officer riding in front of them going on a on a run. It's just them and another firefighter that's driving that piece that may only have a couple years on. So that that's the biggest challenge. And firefighters today, now this ain't saying this generation is bad, good or bad, is different, right? Every generation is different. And the way that I was taught and some of the knowledge that I had coming into the fire service is different knowledge than what's coming into the fire service today. So to making sure that these recruits get everything that they need so they can survive the fire grounds. Yeah. That's cool, man. That's, and that's exactly it. You know, it's um, <clears throat> recruits, like you said, you know, the, the new role is um, you're pushing them out into the fire service and uh, you want them to go into it prepared for, for, you know, for growth, but prepared to encounter the things that they're going to encounter. Um, you know, it's yeah. a, like all jokes aside or the cliche thing aside, you know, it's like, it's kind of like, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the mother bird letting her birds fly like, yeah, go now, now you go fly and, and, and you're going to figure it out. You know, I've done, I've done what I'm supposed to do to you up to this point. Now, now, now it's up to you to, to grow from there. So yeah, that's, that's cool. Uh, so let's talk about the book. So, uh, you and Sean did the book, uh, going on, uh, it's definitely over four years, going on five years now, uh, since you guys did um, did the uh, Evolving Fireground, um, and uh, it's a it's a great book. It's a it's a lot of uh, so I don't even want to say this in a stigmatic way uh, when I say this. I, I say it like uh, because it's it, it makes it interesting. So I was going to say there's a lot of science to it, and. For those of you that are listening, you know when you hear that word in the fire service, like let me tell you, like I have two degrees that are that are based off the fire service, right? And they are a bachelor's of science and an associate's of science because the fire service is a science. Okay, so your book uh, is is um, very well put together as far as the tactics and the things that that we don't that we know exist but we don't know enough about or we're, or we're not paying enough attention to right um and and I, and I and i like that and i like that you you uh you've been covering that um for for a while now it wasn't just like a one and done like i struck gold i wrote this book and then i uh you know i'm kind of done like you've continued to grow on it and develop it and spread the message uh even further so one uh just for my listener and and also for myself right uh, so I'm finishing up writing the book as, as you know, you're tracking that, you know, um, you've been gracious enough to help me with mentoring me through that and, and give me ideas and then even, uh, uh, writing the contribution for, which I greatly appreciate. So that is no easy task to do, um, as you know, but as far as the listener goes, you know, just because there's some greats out there that, that have put out some amazing knowledge, don't think that you're on their level. Cause I very much, uh, the, the past year has been a very humbling moment for me, <laughs> uh, to be like, dude, I don't know how they did it. Cause I don't know, <laughs> you know? Um, but, uh, but it is, you know, like I, not to continue to use on the word inspired, but I, I just, uh, I, I survive off of, I feel like inspiration is everywhere. I feel like there's always something that makes you want to do something like I should probably do something. And even if somebody tells you you doing it was, is, is means that you were inspired to do it. Um, so, you know, what inspired you to, to put that program together, write that book, 
Um, and also, you know, what could someone gain from reading it and, and taking the, the, the class uh, that you have about that? Um, so the, the book, right? So the, the book just honestly seemed like a normal progression for Sean and I. We were writing a ton of articles for fire engineering. We were publishing a lot of content already um, through fire engineering. So it was just seemed to be the culmination of a lot of what we were already doing. Um, and then honestly, we felt that, you know, Sean and I are, are very involved with UL. We're both set on technical panels. Sean's on the, on the advisory board for, far, uh, for UL. That the UL studies are great, right? They're, they're amazing amount of information. Um, but we felt like, and I still feel this way to some extent, now that it's a little bit different because of all the training modules that UL puts out to make it a little bit easier. But prior to all the UL putting on the training modules, we knew that the majority of the firefighters out there were not reading the entire research report. So there was a lot of things that they were missing. And then some of them we felt were reading the whole thing, but they were getting lost in the details, right? Because there's a lot of charts, there's a lot of graphs, there's a lot of, you know, information that's written by scholars that blow me out of the water. They have two, three, four propellers. I have nothing. If I had a propeller, it'd be going backwards, right? So, and we're trying to make sense of this and apply it at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning in our communities, and every single one of our community is different. So Sean and I, we, just, we would have these conversations all the time about the research and the reports. Like, you know, Sean comes from a bigger job, you know, northern Atlanta, um, you know, everything from the, the city environment to a rural environment. And I'm in a 12.6-square-mile bedroom, bedroom community and trying to apply the same research to the same to a totally different environment. And we were the research wasn't always clear to us. The decision making process wasn't always clear to us. So we were having conversations daily on how to make it work for us. And like, well if we're struggling with this and we're reading it and we're talking to some of the people that are doing the research and we and we're at that level as far as we're going to UL and we're on the committees if we, have, if we struggle some days, and there's a whole lot of other people that are struggling, and we were at the point where we, were, we felt like we were really getting it. We really understood. We also saw where it was going, and we were taking a lot of abuse, right? We were being told that we're wrong. We don't know what we're doing and all that other nonsense that was going on. So inspiration, we wanted to make the fire service better and help everybody understand what we were really starting to understand, what we were really seeing, both on the fire ground, but also in the research and help that, right? Help these stewards of, of that information. And then I would, you know, I'd be lying to you and say this, some of the haters, man, some of the haters inspired us, right? So I have a lot of the haters. I got, thank, thank them, right? Because they inspired me because I'm not that guy that, that sits back and keeps quiet or is going to crawl back in my shell because some firefighter, fire officer, national speaker, writer, whatever you want to put name in any space in that says that I'm, we were wrong and goes on social media and does all that stuff that they were, they were doing. Some of that inspired us. Like, screw you. I don't give a crap who you are or where you're from. We know what we're talking about is right, and we're going to push that message forward because it's the right thing for the fire service. So inspiration of making it right for the fire service and trying to help everybody else or some understand and digest what Sean and I had the, the privilege to learn directly from Dan Madrakowski, Steve Kerber, Keith Stakes, Robin Zavotek when he worked for UL, then working side by side with Chief Healy from FDNY, uh, John Cirillo from FDNY, um, Frank Lee, 
uh, Pete Van Dorp, the, the amazing uh, individuals from Los Angeles County, too many names to, to rattle off. Um, and we wanted to spread that message, and we felt that we were in the right position, the right personalities to do that. Yeah, that's, and, and that's exactly. So for the listener, if you haven't read the uh, book or, 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 or any of that, it's on uh, Fire Engineering Books and Videos. Uh, it's, it's by uh, PJ and, and Sean Gray. Um, it's called The, Ever, uh, the Evolving Fireground. And, um, and I'll tell you, it's a great book. Uh, and, and also, um, you got me all jacked up, man. I had the phone on mute because, you know, I'm like dropping, like, I'm like, yeah, you know, like when you said what you said, because you know, you know, you, you, you and I've, uh, and I, I, I appreciate, you know, I've, I've, I've been vulnerable enough to, to, to share in, uh, uh, you know, um, certain setbacks or, or even just my own personal uh, stupidity that I deal with uh, on how I perceive things. Um, and that is often the case is I am in this constant fear uh, because unfortunately for me, uh, and I'm not crying woe is me, me getting into you know, our thing, this, this circuit where we get to go uh, you know, nationally and spread a message and share information. Um, it's been tough because those that are in my, you know, age group, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 40. So, you know, uh, some, some guys are, you know, a little younger than me, but they're, they're, we're within the same age group. Um, you know, they, they, social media has been so prevalent, uh, in, in, in the time frame that we started, uh, making our bones. Right. And now you have this competition of, uh, proving your validity and your, um, credibility. And uh, and I'm in this constant like, should I be? Am I the person that should be talking about this? Am I worthy enough? You know, uh, I really hope that somebody doesn't put me on hifty or something like that. Like I'm, I'm like I live in these stupid fears. Uh, and 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 when you said that, you know, like it, it just helped me to speaking for myself. And I and I share this with my listener. You know, uh, I, I say to people, you know, if if you want to go out and teach something. Be passionate about it, but be good at it. So Bobby actually said that to me years years back. I had I had uh, uh, yeah, uh, I believe uh, it. Yeah, Paul Combs drew, drew that thing with the uh, the helmet, uh, and um, and it said, uh, um, you know, uh, I'll be an expert at anything for likes and shares or something like that. And oh, by the way, I have stickers too. And uh, and and I thought, man, just perfect uh because uh it, it is it is literally i could empathize with that that illustration because it was my struggle that i'm dealing with is i don't mean to speak for myself or advocate for myself but i i will speak about what i know and what i'm passionate about and that's because i have an, a level of experience in it I'm, I'm real i'm not fake i'm not being a fugazi like i talk about my program and a lot of people that are trying to do this they're trying to be fire celebrities, you know, because they read your book or they read, you know, Viscuso's book or, or Lasky's book, and they automatically think like, well, I, I can have that same notoriety if I just spew a bunch of uh, content on social media. And I'm like, no, that's not why we do this. That's not why you should be doing this. You're bastardizing what it is that they've done before us, and, and you're also bastardizing the future of the fire service by shitting out this terrible information. Um, so, you know, I, I, I wrote this thing. Uh, and I sent it to Bobby, and Bobby said, I love it. He said, you know, it's a funny thing about passion. It's beautiful to be passionate about something, but be good at it. And I changed the title of what I wrote for Fire Engineering back then 
to that to be passionate but be good at it. <laughs> um, and uh, and it was because of Bobby just saying that. He was just saying it, you know, and it just became the title of uh, of the piece. And that's exactly it is, is, you know, like what you just said. You know, for my listener, if you're passionate about something, you're good at it, and, 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 and it's relevant, and you're – and you you continuously are developing yourself to be an SME in that, in that field or that, that uh, niche, whatever, um, take the noise as fuel. Um, you know, only if you, if you know you're right and you're true and right in what, what it is that you believe, stick to your convictions and, and use that as fuel because some people just want to hate on you because you came up with something and they want to cloud uh, your credibility because they're – either threatened or jealous of, uh, of what it is that you came up with. So I love that you shared that. And I just wanted to touch on that to the audience because you got me inspired and jacked up just by you saying it, because you know, because intimately I've shared that with you, you know, like it's something I struggle with, you know, is, is that like worrying about what, what somebody else might think or something. And, and I love that you said that. So thank you for sharing that. Well, the only person you have to worry about is yourself. When you put your, your head on your pillow at night, if you know you're doing the right thing, screw the rest of them. As long as you know that you are doing the right thing for you and your family, it's, uh, I don't give a shit what anybody else is out there saying about you or about your content. If it's right for you, go for it. And that's not just for you. That's for anybody listening. Because I'm telling you, if Sean and I listened to the haters, we would have we quit the fire service. Because when we first started talking about fire dynamics and exterior water, when this wall first started, we were the, you know, uh, you, you know where I'm going. We, we were the death of the fire service. And <laughs> yeah, but yeah. we knew we were yeah. right. We knew, granted, we, it, our, it has changed a little bit, right? It's evolved, like the name of the book, right? It has evolved. Everything we were talking about at the very beginning, now it's a little bit more middle of the, middle of the road. But what we were talking about wasn't, wasn't wrong, and it's come through research, through fire ground experience, through validation of the fire ground from every department across the country. You know, and I like saying FDNY because I'm nice and close there. They'll say they don't use exterior water. They have used exterior water. Now, they use mm-hmm. exterior water few and far between, right, because they're in an environment and have resources like nobody else has. So the time and place for them is a lot less than maybe a department like mine or a department that's running, you know, a, a much more rural department where exterior water is going to be used more often, right? But it's not for every fire. And it's for the right time and right place, and it's being used and been used in every department out there. And 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 just uh, to 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 add to that, you, know, you said about the city, uh, you know, the FDNY, you know, w- where they first proved how uh, a lot of this stuff works was out on Governor's Island before, uh, right after the you know the military turned it over to the city, um, you know, and then and then they and then the stuff that the work that. UL's done and, and this is done and then what you guys have done and, and, and what you guys have talked about and everything like that. Uh, this has become, I love, you know, the title, the evolving fireground because it is, it's perfect uh, because when you started talking about it, you guys wrote about it, uh, it was taboo, right? It's, that was only five years ago that you guys put the book out and you were, you know, talking about it about six, seven years ago, right? Well, it's become normalized now because we've accepted, like, this is a tactic we've always been doing, and these are tactics we've always been doing, and this is a science and the flow path and everything. These are, this is stuff we've always known. We just didn't, we didn't put a name on it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. Uh, and the minute oh, somebody came up with a tagline, all of a sudden everybody was pissed off, you know? But it was like, no, it's like we, we need to teach these tactics because they are part of everything that we do. Uh, and it can happen in everything that we do, and we need to be mindful of it. And it was just shit that we we knew, 
we just, uh, you know, we didn't have a tagline to it at the time. So, you know, yeah, the name of the book is perfect because that is exactly it. It's the evolving fireground, you know. I like that. And it evolves so, every day. Speaking of the evolving, yeah, yes. Yeah, and that's what we do in the fire service. It's an ever-evolving society and world we live in, and we need to meet the, the intent. Uh, we need to be the subject matter experts because that's what the public thinks, and, and we need to be good stewards to ourselves instead of always sitting there saying, oh, that doesn't sound right, so I'm against it. Um, so speaking of the evolving fire ground, so <laughs> what classes are you teaching at FDIC in April? By the way, for the listener, uh, if you're not registered – Register now because I think uh, March 10th is when the uh, early bird special uh, closes out, and it's going to be a little bit more expensive. Um, and I can guarantee that hotels are, are, are starting to, to fatten up, so uh, get on there and register. But I've taken PJ's class. I love it. It's an awesome class. Uh, so I want you to talk about what, what you're teaching, when you're teaching it, um, and, and all that. So for me, it's a, it's a good thing, not so much for everybody listening, because I'm teaching on Monday morning, 8 o'clock. I have a four-hour workshop. So it's a little bit quieter in, in Indianapolis that part of the week because the show floor is not open and all the other 200 classes are, aren't running, uh, only the hands-on training and the, the pre-conference workshops. But it's a four-hour class called The Evolving Fireground. It's right from the book. Um, so, you know, we launched the book, I think, uh, like you said, I think it was like five years ago at FDIC is when it hit. And um, Sean and I was teaching his classes. I was teaching my classes. We were tag teaming some stuff surrounding fire dynamics, right, kind of what the book is about. But we weren't t- using the book as a class, right, we just material from the book. So I figured it was time to change things up a little bit because uh, just what I wanted to do. And I put together a four-hour uh, proposal and I've basically taken the book and broken out the chapters, and that's the class, right? So we pretty much go right through the entire book in four hours, starting on Chapter 1 and making it through Chapter 8. We don't really touch on Chapter 9, uh, but the 1 through 8, and we talk about the chapters. And it's, it's uh, fluid, it's conversation, it's high, fast-paced, because I'm not teaching you the book, and I'm just trying to touch on the important parts of each chapter because what we've found is this kind of blows my mind when I think about it is there are a lot of departments out there we're learning that have our book in their promotional reading list and there are a couple universities now that are using the book as part of their introduction to fire, uh, fire science program so there's people that are out there that want to come listen and learn more about the book in a classroom environment versus what I was teaching just you know an hour 45 on fire dynamics so last year was the first year uh, I was solo, Sean Gray. Uh, I stopped teaching the hands-on program, and I came inside to, to do this. Sean Gray stayed outside last year. Well, he was supposed to stay outside last year, but he ended up in the hospital because he didn't realize uh, when you ride scooters at 2 o'clock in the morning, bad things happen when you hit curbs. So he wasn't able to teach the hands-on last year. So he's going back there to finish. I didn't know you were going to go there. Good for you. Poor Sean. Of course I'm going to go there. Uh, uh, so for those of you that don't know, just a little side note, on uh, the night before opening ceremony, Sean was riding a typical scooter in Indianapolis, hit a curb, and ended up in the hospital for five days during uh, – uh, during FDIC, and Adrian, his wife, had actually come drive from Atlanta to Indianapolis to pick him up because he couldn't fly because he ended up with a pneumo out of, out of the whole deal. So, yeah, it was an interesting week for him. So this year was supposed to be both of us in the classroom for the four-hour, but he feels uh, the hands-on class, the hot class, is something that uh, we built together. 
with uh, with Chad Christensen, uh, a couple of the guys from LA County, and now it's uh, the last couple of years we've turned it over and it's taken on a new life uh, called Search Reformation by Dustin Martinez. So Sean started mentoring Dustin and building him up to take over the class. Dustin took over the class, changed it up a little bit, refreshed it, brought in some new people. So Sean wanted to still be there last year to help uh, run him through that one more year. And, uh, you know, that damn curb got in his way. So Sean will be back out there this year, and I'll be in the classroom for four hours. And then uh, Sean's coming back into the conference center Midweek, I think his class is on Wednesday. He has an hour 45, uh, attack from the burn side, which that's the where all of this started for Sean and I on exterior water. Sean wrote the original article well before UL did the research on exterior water, and it was called attack from the burn side. And I think it's like 10 years strong. He's been teaching that class at FDIC. And every year he doesn't, he wants to move to something different. But every year he gets to FDIC and it's standing room only in his class. They still flock for this class. So he'll be teaching that again a little bit later in the week. I believe it's on uh, on Wednesday. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, so for the listener, if you, if you, uh, if you haven't registered, <clears throat> I strongly encourage it. Um, it is, believe it or not, getting there for the Monday and Tuesday stuff is very intimate. So, um, you know, I, uh, I'm not on that, that level to, that I'm comfortable to, to, to put in for the four hour workshop yet. So I, you know, I'm doing the hour four oh, five on Wednesday, but no, no, for, for real, man. I just, uh, I, 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 I'll, I'll do it one day. I just, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm ready yet, but, um, but for you yeah, guys, for, you know, like for I, real, I do, you're, I've, I've Dave, taken you're, those. Listen, you're absolutely ready, man. You have a, a gripe sat in your class. And uh, I expect to see your proposal next year on the four-hour. Like, you may not get it, you know, that, but that's how we yeah. all learn. We always don't get the first thing out. But, yeah, you, you should really uh, – the, the four-hour, for those listeners that haven't been there for the, the pre-conference workshops, it's very different. You know, the classes are smaller. There's, you know, 30 to 100 people. If you get some – a lot of classes yeah, have 20 or 30 people in them. So it's very intimate, much smaller. Yeah. Um, and there's some great conversations where the bigger hour 45 block – there's so much content that we all try to squeeze into that time frame, and all of those classes are usually so filled with so many people. It's hard to have that intimacy and conversation. It's just, you know, regurgitating information, trying to get as much out there as you can. The sort of pre-conferences are great, man. They're a lot of fun. There's not a lot of them. Um, there's a lot of, you know, I, I still find it amazing that I'm teaching a conference now, two year, uh, pre-conference two years in a row. Because you look at some of the individuals, mentors, and people that I've been reading their stuff and following them for years, and now I'm teaching the same, same time as them. So I always don't expect anybody in my class. I expect them to be at all the other classes. That's where I would yeah. rather be. <laughs> yeah, I say the same thing. <laughs> no, but I, I, uh, I, for the listener, I will say that. Uh, so I just not just because I'm friends with you, but because I'm a fan. Uh, you know, I, I, I'll tell you, it's, it's a good program. If you guys can swing it, if your department can swing it, if you guys get out there early, uh, definitely encourage uh, you to, to, to get out there for the, the pre-conferences, uh, sit through PJ's class, and, and anything else that you're, you're able to swing. Um, you know, FDIC, as an instructor, they, they bring me out there, right? And then I, because I am a student of the craft, I pay for a pre-conference. Like, I paid to sit in your class last year when I was there, you know, like I, I, I do that myself because it's that valuable to me to get that information. I don't mind 
paying for me, myself to take a class. So I'm, I'm telling you, the listener, is it is 100% worth it. If you can get out there early enough and you can swing it financially, uh, it's, it's worth its weight in gold. It is a lot more intimate. FDIC is beautiful the whole time, the whole week. There's nothing to compare. It's, it's the Super Bowl. You know, I got it. Um, but that Monday and Tuesday is like a, it's like an unsung hero. It really is like uh, it, it's where it's at. There's, there's just a, it's intimate. There's a lot of uh, great instruction going on. So if, uh, if you're able to get out there, get out there to, that Monday and Tuesday because it's, it's, it's worth it. It's worth it. Trust me. Um, so we'll wrap up with. The last thing I ask every person I always ask, uh, I mean, I always interview, um, and, um, and there's always, you know, there's always a reason for me to ask it because uh, I feel like when I ask this question, it's not to be arrogant. It's not to put somebody on a spot. It's not for pompous things. It's actually for humility, right, um, because there's, there's a rawness to, 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 to those that are true um, that answer this question. And it's because, uh, you know, when I asked it, you know, about legacies, right, it's what's our objective? So uh, for, for us, for you and I, you know, our, our, our biggest background in, in the fire service or contribution has been training others. And as training officers, we understand that, you know, you have to have objectives, smart objectives, right? Um, well, your career or professional objective uh, and personal objective in life should be what kind of legacy you're going to leave behind because that is what you strive to do is this, the things that you're doing, they leave some kind of mark. There's a purpose to them. So when you leave, it wasn't meant for nothing. Even if you don't get to see it, it's that you know that one day there will be meaning to it. You know, I'm sure Lincoln uh, knew that eventually the unpopular stuff that he was doing was going to bring us to, I don't know about current times, but <laughs> where the country ended up going. Uh, and in the moment, it was, it was very unpopular. So he didn't get to see it, but it, it was his legacy. He wanted to leave that legacy, and he did. So, so I will ask you, what type of legacy do you want to leave behind? Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty deep question, and, and I don't know if I've ever – ever even thought about that or analyze that or ask myself that question. So, you know, like that, that rawness like you mentioned, you know, um, maybe just looked at as somebody who always did the right thing, right? Somebody who wasn't afraid of controversy, wasn't afraid to go toe to toe uh, with those that disagreed. Uh, the same person that's not afraid to say when I'm wrong, because there's been more times I've been wrong than I've been right. Um, and probably last and ultimately, I've just I've always done the right thing by my family. You know, when I put my head down in my pillow at night, I know I've done the right thing by my wife and the right thing by my daughter. And everything that I do is ultimately for us, right, and for the fire service. You know, you say, well, you know, I, I teach in the fire service. Yeah, but the more we teach, the more we mentor. Those are the same firefighters that may have to rescue my family someday or save my family in a medical mercy one day, or be there when they have a bad day. So, you know, teaching recruits now, and I love when the recruits come through from my town, because I tell them I'm going to ride them the hardest and, and watch them the closest, because at 3 o'clock in the morning, if they're running across my front lawn to save my daughter, they, their shit better be squared away. You know, so I, I think it comes back to that, is I've just, I've been that guy who is not always well-liked, because I'm not afraid to speak my mind and, and stand up to anybody when, when I know that I'm right but I'll also be the same one that tells them that, hey, man, I, I was wrong. I, I was strong in my convictions, strong in my beliefs, but you were right. I made a mistake, and, and I'm incorrect. And I've done that plenty of times. Um, 
So I don't know if that really kind of answers or not, but uh, I hope that was something that you that you would uh, you would expect or, or hope or answered what you're looking for. So so I'll I'll say first of all, it was beautiful, and it's not up to me. The expectation isn't of mine, so I appreciate that because you know I'm the host of the show, right? But but no, it's your expectation. It's 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 what you. You know what your uh, you know uh, objective is for you, and and you answered it beautifully, uh, similar to my own. Uh, to be honest with you, you know um, uh, I want to make sure that uh, my kids are proud and were proud, uh, you know, post uh, me not being around. Um, that I was uh, somebody who set a good standard for them. And uh, I was not perfect, but I, I, I believed in reform, and I exemplified how you could capitalize on the ability or opportunity for reform. And uh, and the same thing is that I, I just wanted to be able to to be remembered as somebody who was able to, to give people an opportunity to, to be the best versions of themselves. Um, and uh, and and you know, so there's no wrong answer. Uh, there's nothing for an expectation for me. It was a perfect answer. And I know it's raw, and I know it's it's always off-putting for people. It's it's and and that's why it's it proves in itself that it's not an arrogant or egotistical or narcissistic question because of the squirminess you can hear in the person's voice when they're answering it. It proves that importance of humility and how important of a thing that is in our business uh, to to maintain that level of of, of being humble. As the listener, as you hear each person I've asked that question to, they always they're always nervous to answer it. <clears throat> it proves the importance of having a legacy because it's a life objective, and it proves the importance of being modest enough that you're not comfortable answering that question because you don't feel like you should shape your own legacy. So uh, I want the listener to take that away, and, and I appreciate your answer for it. I, I know that it was an uncomfortable thing to have to answer, but it was a perfect answer, and I love it. Um, so thank you. Well, th- yours. Thanks for asking. It definitely made me uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, th- dude, I'll tell you, man. You know, like uh, the, some of the best people, the, the best uh, interviewers ever, have always asked the hard questions. You know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so the floor is yours. Any final words from you? Anything you want to pass on? Anything you want to plug? Uh, contact information? Anything? I appreciate you being on the show. I appreciate you for who you are, uh, for us in the fire service, and for me as a as a as a as a friend and and somebody who's been able to be mentored by you uh, for things. I I do. I I, I sincerely mean that. I, I hate using those sexy words because they seem like buzzwords, but they're they're just they're the English language words to use. Thank you for all the things that you've done just personally for me and for the fire service. So, floor is yours for any final words that you want to have. Well, I want to make sure that you plug your class at FDIC. As the, as the host, you're always putting everybody uh, in front, so make sure you do that before the end of the class. If you're on the fence about FDIC, get to FDIC. Uh, the hardest part about attending is choosing the right class. Don't choose a class because of who's teaching, because it's a name that you recognize. Take a class that you're going to benefit from in your department. Um, depending on your department size or the department issues that you're having or the problems that you're having or the item that you want to learn, take those classes. You won't go wrong with any instructor at FDIC 
uh, whether you know them or whether you don't know them, whether you've heard their name before or haven't heard their name. Go to the class that best fits your needs. Um, and then I wasn't sure how to close this out, Dave, so I've actually picked up your challenge coin because it's here in my office. I got this uh, from you at FDIC a couple years ago, and I was reading it while you were talking, and there's some things on here that I want to uh, quote from your coin because that's how I think we should uh, close out the show. So a few of the quotes from your coin is, don't chase a career, chase your passion, right? So passion and leadership. Don't chase a career, chase your passion. Um, then on the back of your coin, motivational leadership, uh, networking for success, just some of the things in your challenge coin, and I know it's inspired me, it inspires others, and one of the keys here is be humble in the center of your coin. So I thank you for passing that coin off to me. It's right on top of my display, so I made sure I picked it up here and looked at it while, while you were talking tonight. I think those are the things that we should we should think about. And lastly, we're both here tonight because of Bobby Hall from Chief Hall, and it's been a, a big loss for, for all of us in the fire service. Uh, we are in great hands. Uh, he built an amazing platform. Uh, we are in great hands with uh, with Chief David Rhodes, um, but it doesn't let soften the blow uh, for the loss that you know many of our brothers and sisters in the fire service across the nation, those on the advisory board, uh, all the instructors, FDIC, and all the staff are, are still feeling from uh, his sudden you know, non expected loss. But I can say that even with that that pain. Uh, man, I'm damn proud because I wouldn't be here talking to you without what he did for me and without what he's done for you and millions of other firefighters across the country. So when we uh, depart to FDIC this year, it's going to be different. It's going to be sad, but it's also at the same point, uh, same time, going to be, uh, be pretty cool, man, to see what he's built and the legacy that he left behind and uh, what he's really the, the amazing show and product that he's turned over and handed over to all of us in the, in the fire service to move forward. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could not agree with you more. I, um, I say, uh, to people, I, I, I did my last show where I dedicated it to him, uh, only because, <laughs> you know, I, uh, for, for quickly for the listener, you, you know, you know this. So, so I've been trying to, we have been trying to commit to getting you to be the guest for like, almost a year right uh, <laughs> uh so we were finally able to make it happen and um because uh i remember i had texted you and and you said uh i'm going to be having something going on or something like that and it's before he passed i said I, I think i'm just going to ask bobby to to do my show in january um you know this before he passed in december i said i think i'm just going to ask bobby to do this show in january because him and i had done a show together when i first when he first gave me the, this opportunity and the, the audio recording came out so terrible because he made me record it, pre-record it. And, and God bless him and God rest his soul, but it was 100% his fault, but I never had the balls to tell him because I felt like he was going to blacklist me <laughs> if I told him. But it was totally his fault on why the recording came out like shit, you know. <laughs> so I was like, well, here it is, redemption. Well, you know, if PJ can't commit to the show, I'm going to get Bobby to do the show. And then I'm going to rub PJ's face in how, you know, he's so important that even Bobby got to do the show, but PJ couldn't. You know, that was my intent. And uh, sadly, yeah, you know, uh, it, it, it ended up going away. It did. So I dedicated my show last week, uh, last month to him. I know you guys did that with the Hump Day Hangout uh, prior to, and I know, you know, Lasky and Salka did theirs with, with Chief Rhodes, and, and I agree with you. I'm gonna, one, I'm just going to echo the uh, – I'm very confident in where we're going with, with Chief Rhodes. Uh, you know, we, we all know him. Uh, those who don't, you know, he's, he's, uh, he, is, he, he is 
he's a home run, and, and I'm, I'm very glad that, that we have him at the helm now. But there is a lot of us to include myself now. There's people that knew him more intimate, and I, I shared this, and people that knew him longer. Um, but Bobby touched 100,000 lives a, a year. Um, and if you had the opportunity to get to know him just a little more intimate than, than just those 100,000 people, it was, it was beautiful. It, it, to the extent that you could disagree with Bobby. He was a human being. He was a chief. Uh, and, he, and, 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 and it was okay. You know, he and I, we, we, we had things that we disagreed on, to, and, and, and I, yet he never turned his back on me, uh, and, and he was known for his Irish pride, and he didn't do that with me. He gave me a chance, and he gave me these opportunities as well as he did with many of us, and, and I do. I miss the shit out of him. Um, I, I wish that I had more time with him, that I could have more memories like everybody else does, but I will cherish the fact that there was a good seven, eight years of my life where – that man was part of my life and I could pick up the phone and call him and he almost always picked up. Uh, and, and that's, that's, that's the guy he was. He was just, he was awesome like that. So yeah, it's going to be different. It's going to be weird. Um, and, and you're absolutely right. We'd be remiss not to, to, to say thank you to him. Um, and to everybody that, that, that's been involved with, with fire engineering for all those years, but definitely thank you to Bobby for giving us the opportunities that we've had to be able to, bring our message to a, a larger stage, which I always say, you know, uh, since he's passed, I always say, you know, he, he allowed us to bring a, a, to a larger stage. And then I always say his stage, cause it was his, it was Bobby's stage and he let us be on it. And, and I appreciate it. And I miss him for it. Uh, yeah. Thank you. And also for sticking with us, right. If you think about some of the conversations right. we had before, <laughs> and I know some of the conversations and phone calls that he's received um, because somebody didn't like what I said or did. And he always stood mm-hmm. behind me, and we didn't always agree. He did not agree with all of what Sean and I were talking about teaching uh, for, for quite a while as well, but he always knew that we had an opinion. We backed it up with facts and resources, and he supported us, and he supported everybody in the fire service. And there was a lot of people that he agreed with, a lot of people that he disagreed with, but he put us all forward. He built us all up, and he built the fire service up. Um, so yeah, he is missed, but I also, and now, uh, man, I, I'm, I'm really happy and, and our Dave Rhodes is my full trust and I know that we're in good hands and, uh, we're going to go forward and, and we're going to take this, uh, make everything even, uh, even better than what, what Bobby made it because he made it so well. He's put us in a position to make things, the fire service even better. I agree. Yeah. Amen to that for sure. All right. Well, thank you, brother. Um, and I, I, I really do. I appreciate your time, and I appreciate that we were finally able to make this happen. It's, this great stuff, great information. And uh, for the listener, I hope everybody uh, that's listening is able to get out to FDIC. I hope to see you there. I hope you're able to take PJ's class. Uh, hope to see you out there. Look us up. Um, you, I'll definitely see you. Uh, you know, you know that we'll get together for sure. Um, and then, yeah, God bless. Stay safe. Thank you. And um, you know, I'll see you in April, brother. Thank you for the opportunity. I had a great time tonight, and we'll see you in Indy. Yeah, absolutely, brother. All right, for a listener, thank you guys for listening. Uh, this has been Dave McGlynn with Fire Engineering Podcast, Networking for Success. You guys stay safe, and uh, hope to see you guys in April at FDIC. Thanks for tuning in to Fire Engineering Talk Radio. 